Yeah, uh, uh, Dave Goldston, I'm so delighted that you, uh, that we're, we're, we're chatting. We were just saying how Zoom has brought people together, but we've known yeah, each other. Glad to be here. Well, that's, that's uh, yes, it is. One of the pluses of the virus is that uh, it, on occasion, I think people have been closer together than, um, than they would have done otherwise, really. I think you're right, yes. Uh, I tend to not phone people. Generally, I much prefer to email. I'm mm. happier with written word than spoken most mm. of the time, I think. But Zoom seems to even that out somehow. I seem quite happy to speak to people by this means, especially if there's some excuse for doing it. So I've been doing a crossword mm. on Zoom with friends, mm. for example. Oh, interesting. Worked very well. Very enjoyable. With a group of people, or with just just um, with one or two, occasionally with three other people. So four of us all together, but usually oh. just one or two other people. Well, that works yeah. pretty well. I think it's good. I think it's good. And we've, uh, for the record, I, I began this because. Well, it had rather a grim beginning, which I may as well relate, and that is that. Um, uh, I was going through my mum and dad's things and uh, have both sadly, sadly died. Um, and I realised I hadn't got an audio recording of either of them, which made me rather, rather sad, really, because they've yes. both been, they were both alive during the, during the times when that would have been possible, but, but, but never happened. So I thought, crikey, you know, I, I ought to, for for the future make a make a have on record for kira as much as anything a little bit about her her dad but of course that has the rather negative um uh result that whenever i ask people to be on it they it feels to some people as if the grim reaper has called <laughs> <laughs> i assure you you i didn't call you on that pretext you are in yeah, the best of, of any sort i know well, we've known each other for about 40 years, you were saying. Yeah, it? it must be. Huh? I suppose it must be 39. It must, must be in 81. Was it 81, 82 we were in 81, Durham? 80, yes, that's right. So it'll be, 30, it'll be 40 years this time next yeah. year, won't it? Yes, yes. So, we, it, I mean, it's really scary, isn't it, on one level, because we have both, therefore, seen each other from the beginning of our careers right through to the... We have, yeah. ...other end. Yes. From conception to yeah, we must have started teaching exactly the same time and retired almost How long have you been retired now oh crikey i took early retirement in 2014 right i took it in when was it i did 2000 2016 so mm. yeah we were retired mm. within a couple of years of each other as well about the same yeah about the same time yeah. about yeah. the same time absolutely um I've begun, um, they say, don't they, that that um, one of the analogies I quite like is that life is like a, a toilet roll, really, that the uh, the more you use, the quicker it goes. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think that's the case, that yeah. there's something pathological, I gather, isn't there, that when you, when you get to a certain age, time does actually speed up. So you've got to do all you can to slow it down, haven't you? It certainly does, yeah. And I wonder if that's partly because we're enjoying ourselves more. Ah. Because 
one of the basic faults with life, I think, is just that the more you're enjoying yourself, the, the faster time passes and vice versa. Mm. If I were called in to design a world, a universe, then surely you'd do it the other way around. Surely you design a universe where enjoying yourself makes time last longer. And if you're bored or unhappy oh. or whatever, time would be passing more, more quickly. But it's That's the other absolutely. way around. It's all wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've really, it, it, what, what, what I find fascinating about this period, there's so many things that are fascinating about this part of life, actually. I mean, we are both blessed in one respect, are we not? That we are both, you know, we both went into teaching at the time when pensions for publics for, for teachers yeah. were, were, were okay. So one is able to enjoy one's life in this in that respect. And I don't take that for granted for one single moment. Enormously grateful that, that that's fallen out that way. Yeah, um, and I do rather think that, you know, I've got to repay that somehow. I've got to... I don't know. Be useful still, I suppose, or, or uh, I don't know. I don't know, but it does give one an opportunity to 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 um, you know do the things that you've always wanted to do, and that's a rather cliche thing to say. But do you find that? Um, I think I'm much too selfish to think that really. Um, the things I do, I do because I like doing them. Mm. Maybe some of them have benefits to other people. I don't know. Um, have you got, for example, because one, I know you've, you know, you've written a fair amount, and you write, uh, you write a very interesting blog, which uh, is I only stumbled across. I'm ashamed to say, um, very recently. But it is, um, it, it, of course, you write that for your own pleasure, I imagine. But but it, it's yes. extraordinarily interesting, and and uh, would now that I've come to it late, it would take a good few years to read them all, which I'm afraid to say I haven't. But, uh, well, most of them, there's no reason for you to read because most of them are about church architecture, which is a pretty dull subject. But there are other topics i cover yeah there are and it's amazing what you know i'm finding quite, I suppose that's true for all of us isn't it we've all got as it were uh, nooks and crannies of our knowledge that that uh, would only amuse ourselves but your for instance your blogs on um i think is it seaside postcards or seaside humor and so on um, double entendres generally. double entendres yes yes really uh very very interesting very thought uh, thought provoking talking of which you know, one of the things that uh, I'm keen to do is to is to is to read more in the at this period of life. Uh, I think, uh, I, I, like many people who taught English, I didn't read, haven't read nearly enough. Um, and occasionally, I don't think you, I don't know whether you do this, but occasionally I go to websites for you know, hundred books to read before you die and things like that to see whether there's stuff that I've just never heard of that everyone everyone else has read and 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 found life changing. Uh but uh so yes, yes, yes. I thought well, I might compose something like that myself, but I can't see the point of it really. So 
Dave, let's cut to the chase. We thought we might have a chat about books that uh, we've read recently that um, yep. have been interesting. Would you like to start, Dave? Okay. Shall I tell you about one of mine, then tell you about one of yours? Mm. Mm. And then go and move on to the other one. Please well, do. The first one is um, David Copperfield. Oh, right. As you were saying just now, that you know, lists of great books you've not got around to reading. Uh, in the first lockdown, I sort of semi-deliberately didn't get stuck into any big works of literature. Partly, I think, because I think doing so would have been like an admission that it was going to be a long period. And I didn't want to admit that to myself. So I just read lots of short stories, G.H. Lawrence and H.G. Wells and Thomas Hardy. Um, this time, I've decided I'm going to tackle the novels by Dickens that I've not yet read, which is a shamefully long list, I have to say. I think there's about four of them I know well, but there's you know a dozen I've never read, including David Copperfield. So not quite finished it yet. I'm about 100 pages from the end. But, and I realise this is not exactly the most original, brilliant observation ever. It's pretty bloody good. <laughs> you went around in those days. He could have done with a publicist like you, couldn't he? That would have that would have worked well on the back cover. Yeah. Says Dave Goulston. <laughs> what do you like about it? What What are the What are the many well, things about the, 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 the characters? Are of course, you know, everyone knows about Dickens' characters, even if you've never read. David Copperfield, everyone knows about Mr. Bacorba, for example. Mm. I didn't even know Mr. Bacorba came in David Copperfield, but mm. he's a great character. He is um, largely a sort of comic character. He speaks in this very highfalutin style and writes in an even more highfalutin style. We, we get to read quite all the letters he sends. And uh, Dickens is obviously partly laughing at him. And the character David Copperfield sort of laughs in as well. But the same is is a very lovable character. Um, uh, and uh, he has his moment of glory towards the end of the book as well, which I, I won't say any more about in case anyone wants to read the book for themselves to see what this moment of glory is. Um, and Uriah Heep, who's a mm -hmm. brilliant baddie, real villain here uh, he really beautifully exemplifies dickens technique possibly rather overused to modern sensibilities of giving characters a, a single phrase or a single characteristic which repeated over and over again of course uriah heaps one of the he keeps saying he's very humble without the without the h without even an apostrophe to show that he's dropped the, the h he keeps saying how humble he is um, and I think one of my favourite characters, possibly one of my favourite characters in all literature, is called Miss Moucher. Good Lord. She's, she's got only two scenes, unless she appears again in the last 100 pages, which as I say I haven't read yet. But she is, to use the word that Dickens used to describe her, possibly this is insensitive to use now, she's a dwarf. Um, and... She, she comes on stage, so to speak, in just one short chapter. She's, she's on, on the 
in the book for maybe four or five pages and she absolutely steals the show when she's when, when she's uh, in front of us uh she's absolutely full of life full of energy um absolutely wonderful character and then she disappears for a while and then when she comes back for her second scene possibly her last scene um it goes possibly a little bit mawkish certainly again by modern day standards because she makes a little speech about how terrible it is to be judged by her appearance wow. because, she's, uh, because she's very very short uh, people don't take her seriously and we in fact haven't taken her seriously really in the first appearance either because dickens makes her such a wonderfully comic full of character um personage but she makes this this wonderful moving little speech about how terrible it is to be judged because of, of, of what she looks like so i, I think these that's the main thing that so appealing about the book the, the, the characters well, no, that's already had an effect. This this podcast has already had a beneficial effect because I've just been looking her up online while you oh, yeah. described her. And because I'd, I, it's a while since I read it, but I have to say I'd forgotten all, all about her. But um, now you said that two short scenes. It is full of. I, I, I'm looking through a website now. I just googled Miss Miss Moucher. And of course, then all sorts of characters have popped up there that I'd forgotten about, like uh, Mr. Dick. Yeah, oh yes, wonderful character. Isn't he? Yeah. And Steerforth? Yes, very interesting character. Oh, 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 that's a, that's a commercial has just popped up on the, the site there. Yes. Um, how did you find how do you find david copperfield himself then um he, he's um i suppose in some ways he's, he's a bit of a blank mm. in the middle of the book and he's obviously dickens own persona it, it's, it's a semi-autobiographical novel as you know um but he he's possibly more of an observer than a action figure um so i think we we like him on the whole he's, mm. he's sympathetic well not on the whole we do like him mm. on the side of good in the book um we see everything through his eyes of course uh, he's a yeah i wouldn't say he's the most interesting character in the book because he's not larger than life like some of the other characters he's too realistic um, but yeah, he, he's, he's very interesting. Oh, another interesting thing about the book is is how Dickens deals with sexuality. Oh, notoriously, it's always said that Dickens doesn't really deal with sex at all. Thank the Lord, I Absolutely. say. No, who wants to read oh, all that? No, crikey. Um, but. Although it's true, of course, there's nothing remotely approaching explicit sexuality in the book. There are two fallen women in the book. There's um, Emily, little Emily, and what's the other, what's the other one? Or Martha, um, both of whom are fallen women who 
leave their lives of respectability and go off. In Emily's case, she runs off with Steerforth, who you just, just mentioned, and presumably has a, an illegitimate child with him uh, and is rejected by uh, society because of this and is probably on the verge of becoming a prostitute or even is a prostitute by the time she she reappears. And the same for Martha, I think. I think Martha is, although Dickens has to write about it in such a roundabout way because anything other than that wouldn't have been acceptable to his 1850 audience. Um, but he's certainly dealing with these big social issues. And as, as you probably know, Dickens actually ran a home with his own money for fallen mm. women mm. Uh, for a decade or, or so. No, I had, I didn't, I had forgotten that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So this was something that obviously really meant something to him. He put his money where his mouth was. Um, so although it's, it is true. He doesn't, deal with sexuality explicitly it's certainly there he's not turning his back on the fact that these things happened um, with disastrous consequences for some of the participants it is very hard for us to for me i have to say to uh you know to truly understand the period in which these books were so popular because mm -hmm. uh these issues are uh treated the uh, you know the sort of elliptical way in which um sexuality is dealt with in 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 dickens as in most 19th century fiction i think makes it all the more compelling it's not the first thing that springs to one's mind is it when you think of dickens though is it unless you unless you uh, people say that he just doesn't deal with it he ignores it mm. so dave have you got something you might like to share from yeah. Yeah, I haven't had long to find a, a good bit, but here's uh, a suitable bit, I think, describing Miss Moucher. Miss Moucher has come to give Steerforth and David a pedicure. That's how she earns her living. Mm. Um, well, well, she said. I can't do the voice for her. I've just, I've just read it in my own voice. Well, well, she said, smiting her small knees and rising. This is not business. Come, Steerforth. Let's explore the polar regions and have it over. She then selected two or three of the little instruments, a little bottle, and asked, to my surprise, if the table would bear. And Steerforth replying in the affirmative, she pushed a chair against it, and begging the assistance of my hand, mounted up pretty nimbly to the top, as if it were a stage. If either of you saw my ankles, she said, when she was safely elevated, say so, and I'll go home and destroy myself. <laughs> I did not, said Steerforth. I did not, said I. <laughs> I'll consent to live. <laughs> Pardon me. Now, ducky, ducky, come to Mrs. Bond and be killed. <laughs> <laughs> this was an invocation to Steerforth to place himself under her hands, who accordingly sat himself down with his back to the table and his laughing face towards me and submitted his head to her inspection, evidently for no other purpose than her entertainment. See Miss Moucher standing over him, looking at his rich profusion of brown hair through a large round magnifying glass, which she took it out of her pocket, was the most amazing spectacle. Actually, I, I said she gives pedicures, which, which she does, but here she's looking at his hair. I think she's dying his hair, actually. I think, I think that's what Is that saying. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And I said, uh, he's also got a wonderful uh, sort of catchphrase, which he uses well, three or four times in the only three or four pages she appears in this scene. Uh, so she says, um, Aha! She cried exactly as before. Umph! What a rattle I am! Mr. Copperfield, ain't I volatile? <laughs> <laughs> isn't that great? It really is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It really is. You know you're in the presence of genius, don't you? When you turn a corner in a paragraph and suddenly there's, yes. I'll destroy myself. I shall consent to give. <laughs> if either of you see my ankles. Yeah. How brilliant that is. That is yeah. just, it stands by itself, doesn't it? It stands yeah. on its own. After all this time. Uh-huh. And it still has the capacity. Quite incredible. Now, my, I'm going to move on to my book now. Yep, good idea. Time is getting on, sadly. Well, it's not quite as cheery, I'm afraid. I'm reading a huge amount of non-fiction because, uh, well, there's no particular reason. Um, but I had, I, I was reading, um, the, I can't help but sound pompous when I describe this, so I'm just going to have to thrust my face into that pile of manure. Um, because I was reading one of Rowan Williams's books about uh, um, faith, enormously compelling speaker, and, and 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 as he is a writer, as it turns out, in my opinion. Anyway, he was writing about uh, people of himself. He's writing about people of faith, and one of the people he he referenced was somebody I'm, I was ashamed I'd never heard of, whose name was Etty Hillisum. Does that name ring a bell to you? Not at all. No, no sadly, nor to me. And here is her, here is the book. And here, here is Etty. And the book, which is, which I, I'm going, I'm going to reference is, 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 is a collection of her letters um, and diary entries. Um, and it's called An Interrupted Life. She didn't call it that, obviously. So now, now Etty uh, Hillisum uh, was a, was a Dutch um, a Jewish lady, Jewish woman, girl, in fact, who um, who uh, suffered the fate, the, the the persecution of so many millions of her uh, fellow uh, Jewish Jewish people, and I'm ashamed to say, but having read this book, and I've now I don't know I've I've only come across it this year now, and I'm on my my third reading of it. It's just just, just, just incredible! Just incredible! It reaches me uh, very, very, very profoundly, um, and uh, it, 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 because the book, the letters that are included in the book of, or, uh, and diary entries cover a very short amount of a very short space of time, from about nineteen forty to forty three. So you get this very, very, very intense um window into this girl's life and the first entry i think is when she's about 26 and so the last entry is something like when she was 20 28 but it takes me and therefore any reader on a journey through well, you know, war has been declared, and 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 of course, Holland was was overrun pretty quickly. 
So we are thrust into the middle of her direct experience of, of growing persecution. And of course, she's no idea what's to come. It's for, uh, it has kind of Anne Frank feel to it, as, you, as one, can, yeah. one can tell. Um, but she writes about anything but persecution in the first, in the first uh, for the first, I don't know, third of the book, and more about her relationships with uh, other people, including, for example, her psychotherapist who was treating her, but later became her lover which nowadays would attract a, 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 a very significant degree of opprobrium. Uh, but act, he thought his, the, the, the psychotherapist believed it was part of his therapy, was to, was to form a very, very intense relationship with her. And she writes about that, and she writes about life for her as, a, as, a, as an aspiring writer and, uh, and, uh, and somebody who's interested in the world. And just occasionally, she begins to note things about how its life is becoming slightly more difficult. And then there are th places they're not allowed to go. And then there are places where, and slowly, the, um, the uh, way in which the Jewish people were marginalized and then directly uh, hated and then hurt and then corralled is is begins to dominate her life until until it overtakes everything and it's the, and so the descent from uh, a very she a very intense and for her wonderful and painful personal life right through to when she is taken to Vesterbork uh, camp which is in Holland and uh, was a holding camp for Jewish people in Holland who, who, who were en route to Poland. And Etty sees herself as um, needing to make sense of her life by going there voluntarily. And, and, and indeed she does before she's asked, before she's required to go to this uh, uh, transit camp, she, she goes as part of the, a member of the Jewish council. And, to, to help people. <laughs> I mean, it, there are many, many ways in which this woman is far superior in moral outlook, in courage, in bravery to me. And I do find that very, very thrilling, exciting, desperately tragic, because of course, as a reader, we know what's to come. And there are so many points in this in her letters and diaries, where she wonders what is to come, but is nevertheless prepared to face, she thinks, anything. And they have all kinds of, you know, it's just, oh gosh, you know, the, 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 there are so many times in, in her letters and diaries where rumours reach them of what might be occurring in the East, and they're dismissed as preposterous. And that, such a moment as that, reaches our minds with uh, an un, uh, undis indescribably chilling manner because of course we know that the, the, the shocking rumors that they are just that they are uh, dispelling as the worst sort of fiction and hysteria is but one percent of what was actually going on um 
But what is incredible is her spirit. And let me just try and summarize that, if I possibly can, with one piece from... I could open this book at any point and find the most incredible... Uh, courage, and I'm going to press pause myself while I find it. So the piece I, I, I want to share from this, from I could read a, almost the entire thing and be moved to tears. So here is a letter dated the 18th of August, 1943. And she says, I thought at first I would give writing a miss today, because I'm so terribly tired, and also because I thought I had nothing to say just now. But of course, I have a great deal to write about. I shall allow my thoughts free reign. You're bound to pick them up anyway. This afternoon, I was resting on my bunk, and suddenly I just had to write these few words in my diary, and now I send them to you. You have made me so rich, O oh God. Please let me share out your beauty with open hands. My life has become an uninterrupted dialogue with you, O oh God. One great dialogue. Sometimes when I stand in some corner of the camp, my feet planted on your earth, my eyes raised toward your heaven, tears sometimes run down my face, tears of deep emotion and gratitude. At night too, when I lie on my bed and rest in you, O oh God, tears of gratitude run down my face, and that is my prayer. I've been terribly tired for several days, but that too will pass. Things come and go in a deeper rhythm, and people must be taught to listen. It is the most important thing we have to learn in this life. I'm not challenging you, O oh God. My life is one great dialogue with you. I may never become the great artist I would really like to be, but I'm already secure in you, God. Sometimes I try my hand at turning out small profundities and uncertain short stories. But I always end up with just one single word, God. And that says everything. And there's no need for anything more. And all my creative powers are translated into inner dialogues with you. The beat of my heart has grown deeper, more active, and yet more peaceful. And it's as if I were all the time storing up inner riches. I find it astonishing that having endured, she's now at this point, she's been in the camp, I think, for a year and a half, two years, suffering the most utterly desperate privations and humiliations at the, at the hands of the guards. And daily, she sees that trains leave with a, a, a thousand uh, inmates on each transit off to the east, and they're packed into their cattle wagons and shipped off. And she's got her mother and father in the camp, and she's desperate to make sure they don't go. But throughout all of that, she maintains this incredible religious faith. And I find that so humbling as an attitude to life. 
the level, the, the, the depth of gratitude and the depth of trust that there is an absolute good despite her being in the immediate presence of absolute evil. It's like a lot of the, so many of these fictions, and like um, Victor Frankl. Do you come across him? Yes, the diarist. Yeah. Yes. Now he didn't have a religious faith as such, or lost it, I think. But his faith in the capacity of the human spirit, which is a terrible cliche now to say such a phrase, but it, it, that's that that's very unjust because. The human spirit is, you know, the vital spark of our being. Um, but when I when I think this is, I suppose you know, I've been very melodramatic. But when I read her voice, and her end is sadly all too predictable, and. Uh, I am going to do a spoiler because because uh, it, it's not a spoiler really, but it, because it pays tribute to her. But she's she's the final entry. Uh, she writes is uh, on the freight train herself, on the cattle wagon itself, when she herself is shipped off east, and she scribbles her last entry on a postcard she's managed to smuggle onto the onto the cattle wagon. And she scripts, somehow finds a pen from somewhere and writes her last, which I, I won't spoil with, with, with reading that bit, but her last words, are, uh, recorded words, are on this postcard, which she throws out of the window of this truck. And there, incredibly, it is found in a field by, by an agricultural worker, I believe, and it's addressed to one of her friends in Amsterdam, and he makes sure it gets there. And... That is the only reason she was dis she, her life uh, and her writings were retrieved. I think because 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 this is otherwise she would have vanished without trace. Because of course she goes to Auschwitz and uh, and uh, and dies there. I think within um, she dies in forty three. I think it's within about a month of my of that piece I've just read. Mm. There are no recorded writings from her from her uh, time in Auschwitz because it was so short. But it's the, the book has struck me so deeply, so deeply. And I read a bit of it most mornings before anything gets started in the house because uh, Oh, it's a dreadful thing to say, but I can't think of another way of putting a dreadfully cliche thing to say, but it but it, it gives me a real perspective, no matter what. But it does make me think, Dave, and I think I'm going to wrap it up with this, really, and then we'll, I'll think next time I'll choose a cheerier book. But it does, it comes back to the thing about age, I suppose. What am I going to do with that, is my question to myself. What am I going to do with this gift I've been given of her courage and her, Faith not only in God, but also in writing and in artistry, because she's she as as as, as I shone a tiny light on the bit of a fragment there. She writes all the time, 
all the time because she believes in the act of writing and the act of communication and wants to be this and her descriptions of the camp and of its of its horror but also of its ironic beauty when she notices you know flowers that are inexplicably blossoming in the, amidst the mud and the sand and the dirt and the blood and the sunsets that that are tantalizingly beautiful beyond the camp wire and the irony of of her looking at these sunsets while in the foreground she sees them through the foreground of watchtowers <laughs> and of uh, you know guns trained on her and her fellow prisoners and yet she finds beauty in it ah just I suppose that's why at the moment I'm trying to write as furiously as I can, because I want to, it goes back to what we were saying at the start, really. Uh, uh, you know, I, I want to, I don't know, make sure um, I'm making the most of my time. I suppose it comes back to, us. It's, 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 it's as banal as that. <laughs> Having said that, I'll probably go away and eat a cake next and, uh, you know, pop off to Tesco. Something like that. Uh, 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 but, but, it's got a week, Graham. So, there we are. Thing too, what she says about listening. She says, is that right? The most important mm. thing is to listen. Mm. Yeah, something in that. Absolutely. So, there we have, I've, uh, we've, yes, I'm, I'm, uh, that's been very, I'm going to go back to, uh, Copperfield and look for Mr. Moucher. We've met two wonderful women. Yes. In our conversation. Yes. And they've come to life for just a moment. Mm -hmm. Literature, fiction, and Zoom. History and fiction meeting as one. I'm full of it, aren't I, Dave? I'm full of it. I always have been. 40 years ago. <laughs> We were, I was exactly like this, I think, full of... I think I'm largely the same as well, yes. Full of, I don't know, but we both, I think, have a, like, happily, so many of us, a, a, a passion and a belief in, you know, writing and reading to... Do whatever it does. One can't, one can't sum it up. I can't sum it up. Well, wouldn't want to. Creativity generally. Yes, absolutely. Making absolutely. music or drawing pictures. Or yes, yes. Having conversations like this or whatever. Yes, absolutely. So I really like your. Um, you're very disparaging about, very modest about your 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 uh, fascination with church architecture. But when you post, as you did very recently on your Facebook site. Uh, a very lonely, bleak. Was it? A, I think it was a church or a chapel that on a, on a, on a, on a, it was in East Anglia that you'd found this building on Facebook. Yeah, you posted, or perhaps it was on your blog where you you'd you'd visited a very beautiful, very ancient uh, church. I think it was. Oh yes, yeah, I remember. Yeah, Bradwell, Brad. Bradwell Juxtamare. Yeah, that was on Facebook. You're right. Yeah. One of the oldest churches in the country. Yeah. Arguably the sixth or seventh or eighth oldest church 
still standing in the country. But it was very resonant, very um, moving, actually, because you, in my mind, is so simple that I was, you know, one, one's intrigued by the those who built it and their passion. Mm-hmm. And what must have taken place in there, and the yeah, the well. churches, of course, is entirely secular. Yes, yeah, uh, I'm interested in them because they're beautiful, because they're historic, and I freely accept that people who look at them for religious reasons as well have a a layer of appreciation that's lost on me. I entirely accept that, but that doesn't mean that I haven't got good reasons for loving them. Yes. No, of course. Of course. Um, because the craft involved in putting one brick on top of another is something I will never be able to even come close to matching. Mm-hmm. To, to, to construct such a thing as you just as, as you as you put on your on, on your site of, of uh, as a place of no functional value whatsoever. Well, it must have had a functional value, but that wasn't its prime purpose. Its prime purpose was presumably faith-driven. And yet people gave their lives to it. And the loneliness and the darkness, the bleakness of its position. My goodness me, the lives of intense devotion that, that that are provoked by you know picturing such a place Qu- quite astonishing as well as the lives of you know whoever it was that built it who, uh, who 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 have left a mark on this universe you know the stonemasons and the carpenters and the and the carters and designers and architects and so on that, 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 that are now completely forgotten what a mark they made on the world. This is a very, this is an old man talking, isn't it? An old man wanting to make a mark on the world, I think. Yeah. Right. Okay, Dave, let's leave it there. That's, uh, I said it was going to be a conversation, but it's been rather more of a ramble by me. Uh, so, but um, I'm allowed to do that. And a very enjoyable ramble. Well, how kind of you. How kind of you. I shall. Um, Squirt this up the internet, and uh, then uh, uh, if you see if you want to have it deleted for any reason, I don't think we've said anything that could be. Uh, no, I think you cuss all the rude bits out. I think yourself. we have. Yes, yes. So uh, we'll let it stand as is, and let the world judge. Yes. <laughs>